Well, we're back for another episode of Talking Church, joined by Pastor Gabby, Pastor Terry, and Pastor Peter Reeves, special guests today. Uh, you spoke at River Valley recently. You were in town. And so we said, let's jump on the podcast. So thanks for being here, Peter, Terry, Gabby, everyone. Welcome. This is the first of a few weeks of trying out something new, doing more conversations on Talking Church. We're kind of calling this one Talking Next Gen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gabby, Mm -hmm. you said, hey, what if we talked about Next Gen? What if we shared about what's going on in our Next Gen ministry, having more of a conversation about this? So we'll see how it goes. We've never done four mics before, and so it's exciting. It's going to be the best ever. But we'll have a lot of fun, no doubt. And so, uh, Peter, I'd love to start off with you. And then feel free to just jump in, having a conversation. Mm-hmm. But you were doing Next Gen for a while, and now you're full-time traveling. Talk about your kind of how you've had to reframe your mind from going towards being in the Next Gen world to now still having a passion for it, still speaking as well, but now being full-time in evangelism. Man, it was an easy jump because evangelism is, I mean, honestly, I would say is the new, or how are you saying it, the new discipleship? No, discipleship no, no. is a new, new outreach. Okay, discipleship is new outreach. Let me say it like I would say. I would say evangelism is something that's been put on the back burner for a long time. And so mm-hmm. you have a ton of people who are passionate about next gen. And that expression is really closed off to, man, let's be, be a youth pastor, maybe yeah. serve in a local youth ministry, which is so valuable and so important. But I felt like it was, it was time. You know, I grew up in the era of there was great youth evangelists, a lot of yeah. people who were stepping up to the plate and calling young people to something different, even as they felt called to the next gen. So the transition has been incredibly smooth for me. And I would say it like this, stealing it from Terry, of course, yeah, but evangelism is leading to greater <laughs> discipleship, right? Yeah. When young people can see that there is someone calling them to be outward focused in their faith and they begin to focus on that, it translates uh, to deeper or more solidified or solid disciples. So the transition was easy for me. Um, my passion for developing the next generation has shifted a little bit and it's forced me to be more intense when I show up to places rather than just knowing mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm discipling my own group on the side. Mm-hmm. Super sure. smooth shift, sure. if you will. Yeah, that's awesome. A month ago, you came in and spoke at our youth conference yeah. and it was amazing. Terry, Gabby, can you talk about, I mean, even you, this real world yeah. example of you yeah. come in, yeah. you inject this into our conference yep. and then we have students who were now discipling here at River Valley. Yep. Yeah. What I love that you talked about, Peter, is you talked about evangelism leading to discipleship, discipleship leading to evangelism. I think we can a lot of times put things at odds with each other that are not at odds with each other in the church. And I think sometimes we can put like events like a conference at odds with discipleship and be like, well, are you just doing events or are you doing small groups and discipleship? But they're not at odds with each other. They actually go hand in hand. And youth conference, Peter, you came in, you preached. It was such a powerful weekend, but Mm -hmm. what it did is it really did infuse life into our youth ministries and the the immediate following week of conference that Wednesday night across all campuses. We had some of the highest numbers we've had. We've had more new students at the campus I've been running interim at in the last month of youth ministry, but that's across the board in our youth ministries. And we're seeing students excited about this next season of what God wants to do through their life because they're recognizing, wow, I caught a zeal. I caught a hunger for the presence of God at conference. But now you have local youth pastors cultivating 
on that hunger and saying, now what do you do? Now you need to get plugged into a small group. You need to get plugged into Youth Plus, which is a discipleship model on Sunday nights. You need to get plugged into a virtual global team. You need to lead the way in your local schools. And what conferences and events and these moments for heavy evangelism, what they can become is they can become now off-ramps or on-ramps into your discipleship models in your youth ministries. And I think that's what we were able to see and really capitalize on in our youth ministries through conference. And it's exciting to see that happen. And I really think now more than ever, we can't put those at odds with each other. They go hand in hand and they have to go hand in hand. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, ditto. You know, I think one of the most important things to understand is emerging from, uh, I don't want to say COVID season, but yeah. COVID season, let's be honest. We all remember a time where we stopped worrying about it and we started trying to get back to normal life, right? Yep. And on the other side of COVID season, we have a group of people who have not come to the church simply because it's attractional, but it's missional. And when evangelism connects with the local church and then the local church can pick it up and drive it into discipleship, that leads us more into a missional framework. Mm -hmm. And that's what people are showing up for. The cool thing about more students coming to youth the following Wednesday after conference is because they are looking for a place to be on mission Mm -hmm. with the people that are also on mission. So they want their people and a purpose. Right. And if they can find that, get get in through the doors to an evangelistic door, but then find that community within discipleship, it changes the game completely. Yeah, Yeah, that's so good. I think being a, first of all, River Valley is a evangelist dream church because you guys are always so outer focused. Mm -hmm. And of course that leads obviously, to inward discipleship and things happening internally in your church. But you guys have a heart for the nations. This is not like something that people are quiet about. And coming into that environment reinvigorated yeah. something in me. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I know yeah. at conference, they, you guys did like a, a youth breakout for yes. for missionaries. Yep. And yep. I forget the numbers. Like yeah, we had 220-some students in that breakout and 61 students that stood up saying we feel called to be part of the mission field. Wow. I mean, that is abs- I mean, that yeah. can't yeah. happen because one person comes in and decides right. to share. That's right. the building blocks yeah. of like right. a church that's It was been, you, Peter. See, yeah. <laughs> it's all you, Peter. <laughs> like a church. Na- but, the nation but, say thank you. But yeah. I'm saying, though, like I left that moment being like, why would we not try to see that everywhere? Yeah. Why would we not? Seriously. Why would I not go to every conference and pitch a session or a moment where students have that uh, opportunity to respond, not just to what God is doing in their heart, mm-hmm. but then what they feel like they're being called to? I mean, that reinvigorated something in me. So when the tr- the Praise local God. church and, and evangelism collide, yeah. there's something special that gets birthed out on both sides, and I think it's really important uh, for us to take note of that That's and good. then to push. People who feel like they have that anointing yeah. to do evangelism, yeah. they're like, hey, step up. Let's get out there. Yeah. yeah. All, all of you get out and travel a fair amount and speaking at different camps and conferences and events. Mm-hmm. What are things you've seen, I mean, maybe over the past decade or however long, that have changed with events and how how you are successful? I mean, you, we talked about some of those mm-hmm. things that they can lead towards discipleship, but are there things that even just the way events are run that you've seen, like if you go to an event, you're like, oh, that's more old school or that's, I don't think that's going to work. Just talk about events in general in youth ministry that are outside of the normal Wednesday or whatever weekly flow. Mm -hmm. That's good. I got to think about that. You know, uh, and it took me a second to think about it. We uh, no thinking. Uh, we have a common friend that just held this event, uh, Exponential. You went to it. And it's a unique space because when you go to an event, and it feels like we're just putting on the event. We always do this event. We always have this speaker here, this breakout here, and then we call it a day. That feels very transactional. 
You know, so many times we try to change up the order of the event or the style of the event or the speakers that we have in. But at the end of the day, so many times we just put on these events because they're transactional pieces in our yearly calendar. And what I'm starting to see emerge, um, like if we're springboarding off of that missional conversation we just had, we're seeing people get into the room and say, let's sharpen one another. Let's make this a dialogue and not just a monologue. So it's not just about the celebrity that you have on the stage in the front, but let's have an authentic conversation around some of the things that we're wrestling with in the church today and go from transactional to transformational. Those events really resonate, especially with the next generation of speakers and young people as well. When we're thinking of the next generation, they want to go on a journey. They don't want you just to hand them the destination that you've arrived at and say, be like me. Right. But they really want to be able to go on a journey. And those events resonate best, Mm -hmm. for sure. So good. Agreed. Yeah, that's good. I think, too, what I am noticing is I'm noticing young youth pastors stepping into these roles of youth ministry, and there's a hunger within them to say, let's not do what we've always done just to do what we've always done. Let's be missional. Let's disciple Mm -hmm. students. And so when I talk with different leaders or youth pastors, the questions that they're asking are not, how can I blow up this event and have it be a great weekend? The questions that they're asking are, how do we better disciple our students so that they can get into the school, so they can get in to their middle school or their local high school or their family or onto the mission field? And how will this event drive that outcome forward mm-hmm. as opposed to doing this event because it feels great? I also think with that, they're bringing in communicators or speakers who are hands-on in youth ministry yeah. going, you can speak to my students, but you can also speak to me as a youth yep. pastor and develop me and encourage me. I want to learn from you. And because I want to learn from you, I want to bring you in to speak to my youth ministry yeah. because I want to get something from you. I want That's you to good. impart something into me over this weekend that will go past just a weekend. Yeah. Yeah, right. I think I said this to you, and I'm, and I'm not just saying that because we're on this podcast, but really being at conference, I was blown away by what you guys were able to put together. And then I think the churches that were a part of the network and that weren't, that came, were really blown away because that's what I'm seeing around the country. The spaces are a little bit smaller, but they're more intentional. And most of what we're doing, whether it's from the platform or if it's in like breakouts, is teaching people how to come to self-discovery. And I think that is the most important part of the season we're in concerning like conferences and like events that are happening is students are, they're left in open-ended spaces where students can kind of make a deliberation about what they think. And those are the kids that we're seeing raise their hand to say, I want to go to the mission field. They came to a discovery Mm -hmm. on their own. And I think too, like we've heard it said before, it's like a leadership, you know, like slogan, we say like leadership is the transfer of belief. But I've seen, I'm seeing a lot of that happened amongst the nation where we're like mm. transmitting these things that we like believe and we're saying them, but then we're letting students pick them up and ask yeah. questions yeah. about them. Yeah. And that's what I really appreciated about your conferences. That panel that we did, mm-hmm. that was so awesome because I didn't just that get questions so from there, but fun. in the hallway, like yes. kids are thinking, yeah. they're dri- yeah. youth pastors are thinking of new ways Absolutely. to apply right. what they're learning, self-discovery. That's yeah. what I'm seeing. Yeah. I, you know, I we got, just I got brought to Peter this. to be the hype man for our conference. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it. That's it. He's going to shoot all the videos, uh, yeah. all the promos. We had, every promo. we had all these conversations behind the scenes, we, so yeah. it's just like it's a true. Did, you know? It's true. I think of what, Peter, jumping off of what you said, where students really want to have these open-ended spaces. You know, mm-hmm. we talk a lot about how Samuel's laying by the Ark of the Covenant as a little boy. He's sleeping by it. He yeah. hears the voice of God. He goes to the priest Eli. He said, did you call me? He goes, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. This happens three times. The third time, Eli's like, that was God speaking to you. So when you go back and lay down by the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, when you hear God speak, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. If we, if Eli was like many pastors are today, he would have said, wait, God's speaking to you? Let me go hear what God is saying and mm. then translate for you what I think he wants you to do. Right. 
And that's right. a secondhand experience with the Lord. And a lot of these conferences and spaces that are really ringing the bell today are teaching the young people and teaching other leaders to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, that's rather great. than saying, I've heard the, for, from the Lord for you, and this is what I think you should do. Yes. Well, yes. in some ways, it not that the other option is the right option ever, but in some ways, it's it used to work, right? right. Oh, hey, like you listen, but now people aren't able to live out their faith if it's truly not written on their heart, you know? And again, I, not that we, we would say they used to be able to if just their pastor told them what to do, but if, if all their friends are going after the same thing, if they're in it, but now you have students where they might be the only one in their class, they might be the yeah. only one in their family, right. they right. might be the only one in their circle that besides the people they go to church with, mm -hmm. that when they go back to Monday through Friday, real life, going on the weekend, right. that they're not living that way. Do you, do you even see, like, our parents not forcing kids to go to church anymore. I mean, again, some of those those cultural things that were, oh no, I come to church because my mom and dad forced me to be here. Now you have students that maybe are the only one in their family. Their parents aren't even saved. Can you talk a little bit about what you're oh, yeah. seeing in students that are maybe first-generation Christians, yeah. people who are pioneering as a 12-year-old student mm -hmm. that they're the only one that they know in their family that follows Jesus. Dude, yep. this is like everything I love. And this is what I yep. talked about, honestly. I have such a heart, and I love them, not just because of the crazy things that they say. Like, yeah, I'm going on a 40-day fast. I'm like, you just got saved last week. How about you? <laughs> yeah. you, pray about that. you know, Reading like, the book of Revelation, right, exactly. and then I'm going to Leviticus you know, like, and Song of like, yeah. you know, song, I saw it too. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, I love first generation Christians. And I think that a lot of what we're doing as far as designing ministry, like that it needs to be towards them because mm. we're seeing people come to Christ like we've never seen them before. So many young Christians. And I think what you said, like their parents aren't forcing them to church. They're actually encouraging their parents to come. Yep. Yeah. They're the ones pushing, taking yep. those steps forward. And yep. so we have to speak to them a little differently than we did the generations before who we showed up because we're, my mom was like, if you don't go to church, I'll ship you back to Africa. I'm like, yo, that's crazy, right? But like kids are asking their parents to come and like the way we communicate and the way we talk to them is very different and they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. I have not been to an event this entire year where I haven't asked, hey, how many of you are first generation Christian? And hundreds of oh, hands yeah. go up, right? right? And so for us, like I think we, we got to think a little differently about the next generation, the things we're saying to them, that what we're really asking yep. them to see and read. And I'll right. say it like this, I just kind of hit me in my heart. Like these kids, they're first generation Christians, they're, they're ready for the adventure. Yes. They don't just want to experience oh, yeah. what's happening. They want to adventure. And oh, yeah. uh, the call at, at, you know, at conference was like, go back into your home. Like, yes. I want to see your school safe. I want you to see your family safe first, yep. though. You know, and that's everywhere. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. One Hope has some great statistics on the next generation. And one of those is that 4% of Gen Z students have a biblical worldview that would say that they follow Jesus. Just last night at youth, we preached and I asked a student, what was your greatest takeaway from tonight? And with so much authenticity and with such a genuine spirit, she says, I can't believe that God loves me and that he cares about what I care about. That blew wow. her mind wow. because she's not growing up mm -hmm. in church. She's not growing up reading her Bible. She's growing up in a family life and in a home life where it's kind of like, if you want to go to church, that's all good, mm -hmm. but your faith is going to be really your own. You're not yeah. being discipled by your mom and your dad. And we can hear those statistics. And I think sometimes we can have a really like negative, yeah. you know, pessimistic view on that of, oh man, what's going to happen to the future of the church. But I think we can see it in a really positive view and with a lot of opportunity to say, look, 
look at how great the harvest is and it is ready. Students are ready to respond. Students are ready to receive because they're searching for truth. They're wanting truth. And it's not necessarily easy for them to follow Christ. But I think in all of, you know, the culture clashes, like Pastor Rob just preached about a couple weekends ago at our church. And all of the culture clashes that are happening right now, it's causing students to ask the question, what is truth and how do I know that truth is truth? And that is a great opportunity mm-hmm. that youth pastors have to capitalize on to say, let's raise up mm-hmm. the next generation. Right. Even if it's first generation believers in their family, let's raise up the next generation of students that are going to be rooted in the word because they're hungry for it. Mm-hmm. They want it. And it's exciting. They're asking great questions. They're leaning in and they're ready to go all in. They don't want to just consume. They want to get on that global team. They want to serve. They want to be in a small group. They want to join discipleship programs because there's a hunger there that they're trying to fill. Right. Absolutely. I think of the stat 4% are Bible-believing Christians, right? Bible-believing Christians. It's crazy to say that. They have a biblical worldview. Um, But Barna just released a stat saying that spiritual hunger... Christian mm-hmm. or not, is at an all-time high in the world today. Wow. And that mm-hmm. really came off the back of the rise of nuns, not N-U-N, yeah. but N-O-N-E-S, <laughs> yeah. you know, where people would check what religious... Got me. Yo, <laughs> I know, you're like, the nuns are coming. I was like, no, N-O-N-E-S. Where are they all at? Sister Act. They keep saying they're everywhere, and I don't see them I know. Exactly, but what are they at? They're in the shadows. Oh, my gosh, they're in the shadows. They're just over it. They're over it. But those who check religious affiliation, none. And mm. all, like the generation I come from is, well, people are antagonistic against the gospel. Eight out of 10 will say no to you when you invite them to church. But because there's this not, not atheism, but apathyism, mm. it's not that mm. I don't believe in God, it's that I don't care. There's also the, the lack of antagonism with it. So right. when you ask them to start coming to church, that hunger is there and they're ready and they're willing and there's awe and there's wonder. Yes. Because off of the backs of nuns, N-O-N-E-S, <laughs> Off of the backs of nuns, people who just didn't care, you have people who are like, there was a vacuum there, hmm. a vacuum of belief. And next-gen ministry is the place right now is perfectly positioned to catch that vacuum yes, and to really be able to um, inject the truth into it. Right. Well, how often do you feel like the political polarization, it, it, at times we bring that in to the church? And I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. saying the political ideas. Mm-hmm. I think there are moral ideas that we need to stand oh, up yeah. for as a church. But even you talk about there's a lot of people that are right. open. I mean, the, the stats on that are crazy right. too. The amount of people uh, that would come to church just on Easter, which is mm-hmm. coming up like next week, that that they would show up. They'd show right. up to church. Right. But then it's we see these videos of these protests that are happening in D.C. Yeah. or whatever, where right. people are throwing paint on each other and yelling yeah. at each other and screaming. And I think... Sometimes yeah. we feel like that's us. Yeah. And in mm. some ways, what I keep being reminded by is don't, that's not the church and the enemies of the church. Mm-hmm. It's not bickering and yelling back and yeah. forth. We have the truth yeah. and not the truth. Right. We right. have the king of the universe, Alpha and Omega, yeah. the God who wins at the yeah. very end. And the enemy. Yeah. And so sometimes I feel like we we feel like, man, we're out there with our protest signs, we're out there with our this, yelling at the mm-hmm. other people who are mm-hmm. who are on the opposite political side, but then we're just getting into the yeah. wrong game. And again, right. it's not a political thing, it's just a, a method. Yeah. No, I agree. I think right. where you had in the eighties, a lot of Christians went political. This generation's going cultural. So even politics is more about cultural ideologies right. than it is political ideologies. Right. And if the majority culture believes in one way, 
I, as a ne- person of the next generation, not I, but for example, as a person of the next generation. Yeah, not you, Terry. Bro, I'm telling <laughs> that, that's you. That's not you, cuz. I'm so, stop. You're done. That's it. No, listen. But we're, I, as a member of the next generation. about next gen, not talking with next gen yes, people. Yes, that's what I'm about saying. Wait, you wait, get wait. it. You know what I'm saying. I mean, Peter's 53. So... <laughs> Hey, if I'm 53, I'm doing pretty good. You're doing good, <laughs> looking good. No, but think about it. Like, I, as a next-gen individual, I'm not, I'm not wondering which political value to espouse. I'm wondering what my culture is espousing and how can I align mm. with that so that I'm not left out. Sure. And yeah. that bleeds into the church yes. to where we try to unconsciously, and I think the attractional model church kind of did this at the end of the day and it was an unintended outcome, but we make people more in love with the Christian culture than the Christ of their culture because culture becomes the idol in the church today. Mm, sure. And I, and, and I think... That really, young people really lean into that because of that spiritual hunger, but we're not answering right. it with the word always. We're answering it with with more culture. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. the conversations we're having are so far from scripture because we're trying to appease the culture. Like we're Boom. just trying to right. speak to it. I'm and then we're like, wait you. a minute, you're not yep. preaching the Bible, bro. Yeah. And it's right. like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> it's exactly it. It's true, though, well, you know? And you look at Jesus, right? And obviously Isaiah prophesied about this, but he spoke in parables. Yeah. He did it for multiple reasons, but one is so that everyone had to think about what he was talking mm-hmm. about, but also that he wasn't exactly pointing a finger against the religious leaders right. that were wrong, mm-hmm. but he was, yep. but it wasn't pointed directly. And I think some people struggle with pointing directly mm. and other people struggle with not saying anything at all. And obviously Jesus was the master of it, uh, the master of masters, yeah. but he did it in a way that was, no, I'm going to point out your your sin and I'm going to yep. point out your inaccuracy, mm. but I'm going to do it in a way where you actually have to self-discover it. And, and even the disciples, they say, what did you mean by that parable? Exactly. And he's like, okay, even my disciples don't get this. Yeah. Let me explain what I was trying right. to say. Right. In, in some ways, maybe students are trying to go after that and maybe it's our job to just get out of the way. Yeah. Right. I think you said it best to me today and you said it before, but like students will either say two things when we preach at a next gen space time. or circle. Every time. Say what they say. Yeah, if you, if you did great, like you're obedient with the word of God, presence of God shows up, end of the night, people are going to Snack Shack or wherever they're going after a conference. And even some like sometimes young adults will say this. They said, you're really funny. You made me laugh. Or <laughs> I cried a lot. Cool, man. Like what else happened in your right. life? But that's what they say. Because what they don't know how to say is I had such a profound encounter with the Holy Spirit that right. it radically transformed my life and it moved me to tears. But they don't know how to have words. So they're like, I cried. And then they just stare at you and smile yeah. like, I laughed. What they really mean is, you made me feel comfortable with you, and I feel like this is safe to be mm. around you. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is because a lot of students, they do meet the church or Christian culture before they meet Christ. And they, true. they make sure that they're like, okay, I trust this person. Therefore, now yes. I can trust that's the Bible it. they preach from. That's right. And that's why we have to be so on point and that we, we have to we do have to speak to those things culturally that are, that are taking yep. place. Mm-hmm. But what they're trying to say is, okay, I understand you and I agree with you and I feel comfortable. So now help me help me explain this. This is what yes. Jesus did, right? Help me understand this that's a little bit. Good. And I think that's a huge part of next gen ministry is making sure that they, they can see the Christ in you so you can help them find the Christ that's wow. obviously in the scriptures, same wow. Jesus. Right. We're, not, we're wow. not talking to two different people. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah, one thing that I think about, in, and you've talked about this a lot, Terry, over the years, is social media and this publisher idea. Yeah. For me, I was off social media for two years, and I was I haven't been in next gen 
for three years because pre-COVID I was young adult pastor. So in some ways I feel older than Terry, you know. I'm telling uh, you, that's young. <laughs> Everybody young. young. But talk about even social media, the state of social media. Mm. Since I got back on, I feel like I don't understand anything. So maybe this is just, <laughs> help, maybe this is just helping me. But but my, my two cents is I feel like when I step back into it, it was almost like this deserted island of purpose to where nobody like nobody really likes the grind of trying to like, oh, like it used to be, I want to get followers and I want to become mm. popular and everything. And maybe that's still there. But to me, just coming back into social media, there's this culture that I feel like of emptiness that nobody knows what what are we doing here anymore? Mm. Right. Do you feel that? Is that just because I've been gone for so long? Or I don't know, that's, that's just my, what I'm feeling. Mm. Maybe it's me. That was a little too deep for me. No, it's yeah, good. That's, I was getting really, out. that's good. I feel like Gabby has an answer. No, I definitely do not have an answer. But I do think that's a really, Somebody really profound me. thought. Yeah. I think with social media, I think students are searching for where should I belong? What should I believe? How do I fit in? I think yeah. really it boils down to mm-hmm. identity. Who mm-hmm. am I? And is who I am, does it measure up to what the world says I should be? And I think that's what they're processing through. With social media, you'll see students post things that are contradictory to each other, but they're posting to go, does this fit in with what culture says? Do I find community through this? Am I finding identity and worth in this? I mean, students spend up to eight hours a day on social media. It's really impacting and shaping the way they think about things, the way they view things, the way they see themselves. Just last night, we're in a soul care series for our youth ministry, and we talked about anxiety. Students shared, I feel so much anxiety when I'm scrolling on social media, but I can't stop scrolling on social media Mm -hmm. because I'm so insecure about who I am. So they're clearly connecting the dots between I'm addicted to social media, Mm -hmm. but I'm incredibly anxious when I'm on it, but I'm so insecure in my real personal life that I can't help but go to social media to fill this gap. But what it's also telling me is how do they then better find community in the church and find their identity in Christ and what gap do we have in our ministry where they're quickly turning to social media as opposed to turning to their small group or turning to their youth leader or turning to the word. And how do we need to better disciple them in understanding their identity and who they are in Christ? Yeah. Well, that that speaks to what you're saying though. Of course it feels like this deserted Island where nobody knows what they're doing because we're all making projections of ourselves or (laughs) that you're like, I I think I want to be this right. Like that you filter on TikTok where you like, can be like, yeah, you could be younger. I'm like, I look like a young Jason Derulo. But let's say that for another podcast. Jason Derulo, this guy. Excuse me. What's so funny? Uh, Yeah, but I'm saying like, of course it feels deserted and weird and fake. We're all like, for most of us, I think we're trying to be true to who we are. But for students, they're just kind of posting whatever they think will get them the next like or the next follower. And they're not saying it out loud because now that feels so like icky. But we're all still behind the scenes like, I got another follower. Woo! You know, like it feels good to have that. And I'll say it like this. What you said is so pivotal about us coming in and connecting with the church and allowing them to relate to their small group leader. But as leaders, we can't speak to their identity if we're so thirsty for people to affirm ours. Thirsty. That's so good. Like, of course we have an entire generation of students that are like, I don't know who I am. I think social media would tell me. I need to figure out, I need to get validation there. Because they come to church and we feel like we have to show them our gift instead of helping them discover theirs. That's so... That's 
that's good. spot on. Yes. You know, there's such a va- value vacuum in social media to where it feels <laughs> empty. It just feels empty yeah. when you scroll yes. and it's because they lack value. What I've been seeing get the most traction are people who add value, mm. who add yes. value to your scrolling, who add value. Yeah. When you say people are scrolling, even though they don't want to scroll, but they feel insecure because they're looking for something to fill that value void in that's their life. Great. But here's the indictment. If we have church kids scrolling to look for value, but we got them once a week, where are we dropping the ball? Right. And that's the question we have to ask. And I think we're dropping the ball in the area that you're talking about. Because that value add, I mean, are they walking away from experiences in the church saying, I have added value to my life that's Mm. that's completely transformed who I am? Yeah. Or do I need to go on social media because I got nothing over here in the church? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And 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 part of what I'm feeling and seeing is if if you can come to my therapy session. Um Tell us what you a mean. lot. How do you feel? <laughs> a, a lot of social media, the the most popular things on social media, the most shares, the most l- likes, and everything. It's things that are relatable or things that are funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I feel like social media has almost become. You know, people are talking about it's a drug. It's a drug, mm-hmm. but it's a drug of our own identity that you talk mm-hmm. about. And maybe even as pastors, we struggle with that. Yeah. But now it's almost this drug of a way to escape the world. And a way to, okay, I get to watch things. Because if you see the things that get millions of likes, they're usually these fake TikTok videos or these fake reels Mm -hmm. that is, you know, they're acting and there's a point of view or there's whatever. It's it's fake. It's all fake, you know. And in some ways, you're wondering, why is it the the things that are real that aren't actually getting, that aren't popular? And it's because they're not dramatic or you're competing with, it needs to be dramatic. It needs to be crazy. It needs to be, you need to have that soundbite where it's, oh, that's controversial because the the news is so in our face about everything. Everything every day is the biggest thing that's ever happened. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, did you see what the president said? Did you see what this country is doing? Did you see that? It's, we have to be so hyped that it can't just be, yeah, today was an average day. Yeah, not much happened. Not much happened. You you can't do that. that. No, nobody's excited nobody's no. gonna yep. share did you see this yep. did you do that yep. and so i feel like people have this pressure to i have to live up to the expectation of everything is amazing everything is horrible everything is this yes. and so then it's especially like especially students totally yes. it's why they're so dramatic it's why students are so dramatic they're like yes. oh my gosh i'm yeah. depressed i'm like no you feel depressed yeah. for yeah. one moment yeah Right, you're yeah, not depressed. Yeah. Like this, they are diagnosing themselves based off something they felt in 30 seconds. Oh man, yeah. Yeah. the misuse right? of the word depression, the misuse of the word anxiety, the misuse of the word trauma. Yes. Right. But it's like because, they, because their biggest desire is attention. Mm. Mm. And all of us are searching for, the, the. I mean, the biggest thing is meaning, yeah. right? We're looking for significance. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just the next generation. No, yeah. all of us. We got all of us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, as, I'm probably the most insecure person here, like, you know, <laughs> but no, but truly like we're all fighting this fight insecurity. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm most That's insecure. Gonna, no, I'm more insecure. I, this is going to be the promo piece right here. <laughs> this I'm is the most insecure. <laughs> Welcome today. No, but, <laughs> Who's it, more insecure? but in some senses you have, you have adults that are insecure because like, I think kids right now, 12 year old comes up. Like they have the most power in the world. They're like, no, you're stupid. And you're like, I think I am. Like, you're like, probably like, right. Like, but you're like 12. a 12 year old dictates culture now. Yeah. And like, again, we've talked about this before, but 
no, I have a YouTube channel and I have subscribers and I have sure. this. Right. In some ways, the the younger you are, the more powerful you are in yep. in terms of right. like I have more life, I right. have more experience. The voice you're given. Totally. Totally. Describe, like, and we're right. doing that. Our politicians are doing that. We're like, no, hey kids, they can say whatever. Let's put an 11 year old up here. Totally. Telling you what we think about, about climate change. Yeah. You said it. Yeah. But yeah, and I'm then it's like saying. you're it's right. Like Look, the kids 12. are saying it. They're 12. Yeah. They don't know if they want Lunchables for lunch. I want change. They could create their own climate to the metaverse. In the metaverse. <laughs> in Minecraft, yeah, like, the seas are rising, man. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but check it out. Which I'm a huge fan of all that, right? Like, in the metaverse, I'm six. <laughs> this guy. Like, what I'm, what I'm, I have a six back. He is. And uh, I'm light-skinned. Okay, so... <laughs> How much did you have to pay for that six pack? <laughs> Cut that part out? Like, oh, the light skin no, no. part? He no, said listen. it. But listen, like, you, awesome. we, no wonder parents have the insecurity of discipling their kids. Yes. Yeah. Because of what you just said. Yeah. The ascription right. of power, the ascription of young wisdom, the ascription right. of insight to people who don't even have it at this stage. And then parents are like, where do I even begin mm. when it comes talking to my kids about the things that they're encountering right. or talking to them about faith, their faith in God? Because so much has been ascribed. And if we would just shut out the noise that is like, because whatever informs you, forms you. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. you think of parents, what they allow to inform them, that forms how they parent their kids. Mm-hmm. But what if you shut that out and you said, no, I'm the parent. God has given me this young person in my life to be able to speak life into. And I have what it takes to be able to do so. Otherwise, God wouldn't have given me this kid. Right. Yeah. I mean, if a parent would shut out the noise and be informed by the word of God, I think we would see that the gap isn't as wide and parents are more equipped than they give themselves credit for. Right. Yeah. Well, we're starting to get a little wild. And so uh, before we get too wild, I want to rein us in. But um, as we wrap up, I'd love each of you just to maybe share w- one kind of thing that's been on the top of your mind as you, as we've been talking about this, you know, maybe it's about y- your own family, maybe it's about ministry or whatever it is, but you say this, uh, when we're thinking of next generation, we're thinking... I mean, the people that are listening to this are probably they're wanting to reach the next generation. Yeah. Well, whether it's a lead pastor or an executive mm-hmm. pastor that says, I want to listen to this so that I can understand a little bit better. Or it's a, a youth, kids, young adult pastor that says, I just want to be better in this role of what I'm yeah. giving my life to or the season of my life to. Right. What would be your encouragement to them? Maybe we'll start here and yeah, go around. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I would say what's been on my heart and my mind is the development of young leaders, young pastors, interns, youth leaders in our youth ministries. We Mm. just talked about insecurity in students and in parents, but I think there's a lot of insecurity in the church and in leaders in the church going, I'm comparing and measuring my youth ministry to what I'm seeing on social media. And, and I'm, I want to see young leaders and young youth leaders be confident in the voice and giftings that God has given them and not try to replicate a voice that they feel like is valuable and that people want. And that's been on my mind of how do we raise up students Mm -hmm. that are rooted in the word of God and who God has created them to be. And we do that through having youth leaders, interns, young youth pastors who are rooted in the word of God and in their authentic voice and gifting that God has given them. So my encouragement would be, what are you allowing to inform you as a pastor and a leader? And is the word of God and is the Holy Spirit the number one thing informing you and developing you and speaking into your life? And if it's not, how can you shift your life for that to be the number one voice that you go Mm -hmm. to in your walk with the Mm -hmm. Lord? Awesome. When I think of leaders um, who lead the next generation proper or the next next generation of leaders, often they think, I don't have anything to offer, but I want to say, like, you have something to offer. 
you have something significant and pivotal to offer these young people. And we don't need to give a title or a position or a microphone or a stage to encourage and lift up the next generation of leaders. We need to give two things. That's access and opportunity. Do they have a place at the table and a chance to work out that leadership gifting, that calling that God has invested in them from an early age? And if we can have the confidence to give them a seat at the table, and to give them an opportunity to work that out, we'll see more younger people, pl- not just platformed, but launch into their calling earlier to see the call of God and the kingdom of God advance through this world. Yeah, that's, good. that's really good. I think, and it's kind of this discipleship model I'm kind of putting together and something that we worked out uh, in our ministry, but three things, we call it like uh, F3, just faith, family, future. For every young person uh, across our ministry, and I would say this for every leader, for every church member, you're trying to reach people, you got to help them think through the lens of faith, through the lens of their relationship with God, through their faith, their family, and their future. Their faith, what do they believe to be true about God? Help people figure that out, Mm -hmm. right? And allow them, give them space, Mm. give them access and opportunity to share, this is what I know to be true about him, right? We're calling people to reach the world. That is tremendous. We need to call them to continue to reach their own yep. family. Yep. The hardest person I ever led to the Lord wasn't a friend or a stranger. It was my father, right? How, did, how does what you're experiencing with God impact your family? And for all those first-generation students that we're hoping come, those young people mm-hmm. that are getting saved, how do we teach them to go back and live like Christ mm-hmm. in those spaces? And then we got to teach them how to dream about the future yep. in a way, in a kingdom redemptive way. Yes. What is God calling you to do, the purpose that's on, on your life? So Faith Family Future has just been a framework for me to help me encourage pastors and leaders across the country to say, you're trying to reach young people. It works in terms of like connecting with them, in terms of giving them like a focus for where they need to go, and in terms of helping their prayer life. Yeah. Every single morning, so I pray through those three things. Yep. And it helps me um, just invite Jesus into yeah. all the spaces that I need him to help me navigate. That's good. That's what I'm saying. I wrote a great book called F3. If you guys <laughs> want to uh, check it out. Yeah, come on. It's on yeah. Audible, wherever books yeah. are sold. Yeah, books are sold. yeah amazing. Well, uh, this has been fun. The first first time we're doing this, maybe the last, who knows? Um, but I hope not. I hope no. not. Um, but this has been awesome. The last thing I'd add to that is to any any next gen pastor, any next gen leader, small group leader, uh, anyone who really cares, is teach people scripture. You mm-hmm. know, the things that I remember is you know, you, you don't remember the point that your your youth evangelist came and gave. You know, even even the sermon that you just preached at youth conference, it it might fade, but the moment is there that says, "Hey, God spoke Good. to me," yeah. and the words He spoke to to each student, but. The words of the Lord are alive and active yes. the, from Genesis to Revelation. And I do think yeah. at times we feel this need, and I know I felt it as a young adult pastor, to come up with the next best phrase yeah. to, you know, to compete with the likes of Peter, Gabby, and Terry. And it's, man, they got the great one-liners. They are great preachers. They're speaking at camps and conferences. But the truth is none of those words come close to the words of the Lord. Yes. None of those words will so be true. written on their heart. It doesn't say the words of Terry. It doesn't say the words of Peter. Right. It doesn't say the words of Gabby will be written on their heart. It's the word of the Lord will be written on their heart. And I just think at times we feel that, ah, I don't know what to do. If there's anything, if you're ever struggling, wondering what to do, open up the Bible teach students because they don't know. And I, even for me, I'm, I'm uh, not as smart as Terry, but I'm trying to get there. And I, I, doing, doing my master's, I, I told my dad this. I said, I feel like I just went into a new place yes. and I now know nothing again. Yep. And I'm realizing that there's so much depth. The, the beauty of scripture is there's so much depth that from the kid who's two years old, your kids who are three and one mm-hmm. that are saying, I'm, they're learning their Bible verses for the very first time. You want to know the verses I know the best? 
the ones I learned when I was three, yes. the ones I learned when That's I was great. seven. Yes. I can recite those. I can sing the songs we sang in kids' church, yeah. but the ones I learned last week or that we sang last Sunday, I'm struggling to know. Mm-hmm. Right. So as a kid, That's man, good. it is so important to teach the word. And if ever you're insecure like me or insecure like others, say, I'm going to go to God, I'm going to go to the word, because ultimately mm-hmm. that is better than any program, any small group, any youth conference, any message is the word of God. And so that would be my last word today. And until next time, until we talk next gen again, it's been awesome. Peter, thanks for joining us here in Minnesota. Terry and Gabby, I'm sure I will see you back on the podcast soon.